Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Today, I have the privilege of starting our new series, Famous Last Words. Over the years, many things have been titled famous last words. Usually it happens with a man. And usually it's that statement of something's not going to go well real soon. You see, statistically, women live longer than men. And if you have a look at some of these pictures, you'll see why. Have a look at this first one. It's okay, rubber floats. How about this second one? It's fine, we'll just take a little bit off the top. (laughs) For those who like going to the gym, how about spot me? How about, you got it, right? Or maybe even this last one. Hold this. I just want to get that last spot. (laughs) Famous last words. Usually from men, usually when we're doing something dumb. The funny thing is, is that as I was looking at these photos this week, someone was in my office and was going, done that done that. Like, wow, and you're still here. Amazing. Historically, there's a saying that says there are two things in life that are certain, death and taxes. I think in this day and age, we can probably add a third one, loss of data. I think that's right up there now. And I don't want to be morbid here on a Sunday morning, But the reality is, is that 100% of us are going to die. Some of us, it will be sooner rather than later. But it's that one appointment that we're not going to be late for. Often, as people are preparing to die, they have their famous last words. For many people, it might be regret. Oh, I wish, I wish I spent more time with family and less at work. Or I wish I wasn't so busy chasing after money that perhaps I should have been chasing after relationship. For many, it's this time as they're preparing to pass that they want to pass on what is most important to them. I remember about five years ago, when Denise Battersby passed away. Now, Denise was a member of our church, loved amongst our team. Her and Bob were instrumental in our Young at Heart group. And I remember that as she was preparing to pass, she wanted to film her testimony. And we had the privilege of, of, of filming that testimony only a few days before she passed. And I remember her words because she wanted to communicate what was most important to her. And she said, I charge the church. 
on a daily basis, be in tune with Jesus. Just as we spend time with each other for a coffee, so we can with God over coffee. Get to know him. So switch off your phones, pick up your Bible and your coffee and have coffee with God. Five years on, those words still echo through this church because Denise found what was most important to her, a vibrant daily relationship with God. And as she was preparing to go and be with Jesus himself, she wanted the church to know, here is the key. This is the thing that matters most. You see, the same thing actually happened with Jesus. As Jesus was hanging on the cross, he made seven statements. Seven things that were important to him enough to share with those that were gathered around him. And this famous last word series as we come into Easter is going to be looking at some of those seven statements and the significance that they have. Just to uh, give you a bit of a heads up as to where we're heading in this story, remember Jesus had three years of public ministry and then they had the Last Supper together, him and the disciples, which was celebrating the Passover. From there, they moved to the Garden of Gethsemane where Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus with a kiss. The soldiers all came around and Jesus was taken away and had to endure trials before four different judges. First of all, he was taken to Annas, then to Caiaphas, then to the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, and finally to Pilate, where Pilate couldn't find him guilty, but the people demanded he be crucified. And in return... A murderer by the name of Barabbas was released. Jesus was beaten, flogged, mocked and ridiculed before he was eventually a big beam placed across his shoulders where he had to walk some 600 metres across the Via Della Rosa to where he would finally be crucified. And we're going to pick up the story in Luke 22, verses 32 to 34. It says, Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. It's only a short passage of scripture, but I find it an amazing passage of scripture to highlight between what Jesus did and what I might do in the same circumstances. You see, after everything that Jesus went through, his first words were still redemptive. His first words were still forgive. You know, if that was me, 
in my frailty, in my humanity, I think my words might have looked more like, smite them, oh mighty smiter. <laughs> Not, Father, forgive them. I know that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said to his disciples that he could call thousands of angels to come and take him out of that situation. And again, for me, I think those thousands of angels would be on their way. And I think it's quite indicative of our prayer life often. Often our prayer life looks like, I'm a Christian, get me out of here. Not, Jesus, come and give me the strength to do what you're calling me to do. In the midst of his pain, the physical torture, he hadn't lost sight of his mission. And his mission was to come to die to help us. I mean, what, what a man, what a, what a saviour to be able to do that for you and for me. This morning, there are three things that I want to highlight of the forgiveness that Jesus was speaking about on the cross. And the first thing that I see is that forgiveness is for everyone. Now, those of you who know me know that I like camping. And there are two people in this, two types of people in this world, those who like camping and those who are wrong. On this issue, you're allowed to be wrong. It's okay. I remember a few years back, I wanted to buy an icebox. Now, for those who are wondering, what is an icebox? It's like an esky on steroids. All right? It looks a bit like an esky, but it's thicker all the way around, so the ice and your food last longer than just a standard esky. And I've been looking around at iceboxes and... To be honest with you, I wanted the icebox. I just didn't want to pay what they were worth. So I waited until the catalogue arrived in my letterbox. And there, on the front page, was the icebox that I wanted. It's like, all right, thank you, Jesus. So the store opened at 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning. Now, yeah, that was a bit early for me. And so I lobbed down at nine o'clock, ready to get my icebox, to be told, I'm sorry, we're sold out. <laughs> what do you mean you are sold out? It's on the front page, right here of your catalogue. And the salesman took me to the back page, down the bottom, where it said, whilst stocks last. So I said, okay, fine. How many did you have? 10. Front page of the catalogue. Every store had an allocation of 10 iceboxes for the one day. You see, I wanted that icebox, but there was limited quantity for a limited time. 
And yet Jesus, as he's on the cross, says, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. There is no limitation on Jesus' forgiveness. Jesus' forgiveness is not for a limited time. Jesus' forgiveness is not while stocks last. Jesus' forgiveness is for everyone, for all time, for all eternity. You see, Jesus came to address our biggest need. And our biggest need isn't our comfort. Our biggest need isn't our desires. It's not our career. It's not our family. Our biggest need is we are separated from God by our sin. And Jesus came for everyone to bridge that gap that we could do nothing about in and of ourselves. What a man. What a saviour. You see, our sin is more offensive to God than what you find most offensive. Think about that for a moment. What do you find most offensive? Is swearing the most offensive thing to you? Are kids being ratty the most offensive things to you? Is dog poo on the bottom of your shoe the most offensive thing to you? Whatever the most offensive thing to you is our sin is more offensive to God than that. And in the natural, there's nothing we can do. And yet God himself comes to bridge a gap, to offer forgiveness for everyone. Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone, say it with me, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15 and 16. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone, say it with me, everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus would use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realise that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Words written by the Apostle Paul, the man who wrote most of our New Testament, the man who was killing Christians, But God broke in and offered the forgiveness that Jesus Christ himself offers. Forgiveness is for everyone. You see, the cross is a love story. God loved you so much that he wanted to spend all eternity with you. And the only way that that could happen was if this sin divide got dealt with. And so Jesus Christ himself, God himself, came to bridge that divide. Forgiveness is for everyone. The second thing that I see is that forgiveness is for everything. See, Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. 
you know what? I just wonder what everyone who was there that day actually thought about that statement. Forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Because the Roman soldiers were there. They knew what they were doing. The Roman soldiers were experts at death. They'd crucified thousands of people. They'd crucify thousands more. We know what we're doing. We're crucifying you. The religious leaders of the day, they knew what they were doing. We're getting rid of that troublemaker Jesus. For three years, he's been touring around Jerusalem causing trouble and we're finally rid of him. Dead, gone. We know what we're doing. The disciples, Jesus' mother, they knew what was happening. Their teacher was about to die. The man that they'd spent three years with, intensively learning from, was being put to death in front of them. They knew what was happening except each of those groups really only had one piece of the puzzle. It was only God himself, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, knew actually what was going on here. You see, if the people knew that they were crucifying the Son of God, they probably wouldn't have. And then us, on the other side, wouldn't be able to receive the forgiveness that's found only through the cross. You see, when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, what he was doing is saying, Father, forgive them for the sins they don't even know that they're committing. You see, God's forgiveness is for everything. It's for the sins we know that we're committing, it's for the sins that we don't know that we're committing. God's forgiveness covers it all. You see, ignorance may be bliss, but ignorance is not an excuse. Think about it for a moment. A police officer pulling people over for speeding. How many times do you think they hear the statement, oh, I didn't realise it was a 50 zone. Is that an excuse? The police officer looks at you and says, ha, well, sorry, here's the fine anyway. And if you think about it, that actually makes sense. Hey, I was doing 110 in a 50 zone, but I didn't realise it was a 50 zone. You can let me off, right? No! Can you imagine if ignorance was an excuse. Oh, I didn't know it was wrong to murder. Oh, well, if you didn't know, that's okay. Off you go, you whack, you scallywag. We wouldn't be happy with that, right? You see, if ignorance was an excuse, we'd have anarchy. We would never have to deal with any law ever again. Oh, I just didn't realise. Sorry you didn't realise, but there's still a consequence. And it's the same with our sin. You may not realise what's going on. And Jesus says, you know what? I forgive you anyway. Yeah. 
God's forgiveness covers what we do intentionally and it covers what we do unintentionally. If we verbally lash out or hurt someone intentionally, God's forgiveness is there. Or if we say something that gets misinterpreted and people get hurt, God's forgiveness is still there. If we deceive someone deliberately, God's forgiveness is there. If we accidentally lead someone up the garden path, God's forgiveness is still there. There's nothing that you've done that Jesus' forgiveness doesn't cover. You see, we often rank our sin and attach different consequences to it. Oh, murder. Murder. That's a worse sin than physically assaulting someone. And physically assaulting someone is worse than physically damaging something. And physically damaging something, that's worse than getting angry. And getting angry is worse than having murderous thoughts. And yet God says, you know what? All of that, it's the same thing. It's the outworking of the initial murderous thought. But it's all sin together. You know, you might be here today and you might go, Ashley, you don't know what I've done. And you're right, I don't know what you've done. Let me tell you, I do know what you've thought. Because I've thought the same thing. I've had murderous thoughts. I've wanted to kill people. I've had lustful thoughts. I've deceived people. We're all in this together. Oh, Ash, but you don't understand. God can't forgive that. God already has forgiven that. You see, God knew what we were like and God knew what we needed. So God himself stepped in the gap for us. That thing that you're worried about that God can't forgive, got forgiven 2,000 years ago on the cross. All we need to do is take it to him. Forgiveness is for everyone. Forgiveness is for everything. And my third point is that forgiveness is forever. There's a saying that nothing lasts forever. And in the natural, that's true. The seats that you're sitting on won't last forever. This building won't last forever. Your house won't last forever. Your car won't last forever. The body that you have won't last forever. It's true in the natural, but it's not true in the spiritual. You see, this body may pass away, but the spirit that lives within you, that God-breathed spirit goes on forever. God's love, is eternal. It goes on forever. God's forgiveness goes on forever as well. Hebrews 10.12 says, but our high priest, that's Jesus himself, our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins 
good for all time. Say it with me. Good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honour at God's right hand. Christ's single sacrifice, good for all time. There's nothing you can do to add to Christ's sacrifice. All those good works that we do are there to help others. They're not there to gain our salvation because Christ's sacrifice is good for all time. Help lady, old ladies across the street. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. Does it gain you salvation? No. Does it add to what Jesus did? No. It's the right thing to do. Just like there's nothing you can do to add to the salvation that God offers, there is nothing you can do that detracts from his salvation. There's nothing you can do that God can't forgive. God's forgiveness, Jesus' sacrifice is good for all time. Whatever it is, bring it to the foot of the cross. In Hebrews 8 verse 12, quoting Jeremiah, it says, I will forgive, obviously God speaking, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. You know, there's a big difference between forgetting and not remembering. You see, I forget things all the time. In fact, if you come and have a conversation with me after this service and you say, hey, Ash, can I just catch up with you during the week? I promise you, if I don't get my phone out then and there and put it in my calendar, I will forget. A key indicator for me that I'm getting stressed is that I lose my keys. Now, I'm really good with my keys. My keys are normally always in my pocket. When I get home, they're always on the bedside table. And yet I find that when I get stressed, I have a habit of opening a door and just leaving the keys hanging there. And then about 10 minutes later, it's the Aussie hucker. Um, where did I leave them? Trace my steps back and I usually find them hanging in a door somewhere. When I'm stressed at home, I'll normally just chuck my keys somewhere. Table, bench, lounge. And the following morning, it's the, Han, have you seen my keys? Forgetting. very different to not remembering. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows your sin. He knows everything about you. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. Not many. And getting thinner. God is omniscient. He knows everything. And yet he chooses not to remember our sin. He looks at us and he doesn't see us for all the faults and the flaws that we have. He looks at us and sees Christ Jesus forming in us. He chooses to look at the Christ in us. 
not our faults or our flaws. God's forgiveness. It's for everyone. It's for everything. And it's forever. As the band comes, we love speaking about God's forgiveness. We love it going, oh God, you did this for me. Jesus, you came for me. Thank you. We love speaking about God's forgiveness, yet we often find it difficult to forgive others. We love being the recipient. It's difficult to give forgiveness. Jesus spoke a lot about forgiveness. In fact, he used the term forgive, forgiven, forgiveness 16 times in the Gospel of Luke alone. 61 times across the New Testament. Forgiveness is important to God. You know, I wish the Bible made a distinction between God's forgiveness and us forgiving others. Wouldn't that be so much easier? Wouldn't it be so much easier to go, God, thank you for forgiving me, but I don't have to forgive anyone else? The Bible doesn't make that distinction. In an actual fact, the Bible links the two. In Ephesians 31, sorry, 4, verse 31, it says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Christ forgave everyone of everything forever. And the challenge for us is to do the same. Will you forgive everyone of everything forever? Oh, Ash, that's impossible. Yeah, you know what? It is. It actually is impossible without the Holy Spirit's help. In the natural, we can't do this, but in the supernatural, we can. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.